What is up, everybody, and welcome to this Trainwreck Sports podcast, where we are here to pay the bills. Jake Micah, Mike Partham, and first time this year, Slick L. It's a Slick Thursday. Look it's at Slick this. season, baby. What more can be said? Pleasure to be here. Not as good as fall season. Fall is elite. Every season is slick season. It doesn't matter if it's fall, winter, spring, <laughs> lunch, brunch, dinner. It's slick season, baby. That's what we like to hear. That's the kind of energy we wanted here tonight on the Pay the Bills podcast, where we're definitely going to be more energetic than the Buffalo Bills looked on Sunday Night Football, the sleepy Buffalo Bills. They are they are just like a sleepy team. Like They just needed – they felt like they were – you know, it was late night. I was tired. I don't know about you guys, but that's what it looked like. They had been up hyped all day. We're going to get into everything. Go ahead, Mike. Can I make a confession? Oh, I gosh. fell asleep during the set first half. Right up until <laughs> oh. like uh, the two-minute warning when they were uh, – when they, when after the Damian Harris injury happened, I went back. I went back and I watched the first half via the NFL Network replay so I can see everything that happened, but – I, I don't know whether it's just a sleepy performance or the fact that we were supposed to. This, this was supposed to be just a. We were supposed to run this team over. They were supposed. They're one of the doormats in the NFL, and uh, they gave. They actually gave us a fight, or maybe we just gave ourselves a fight and shot ourselves in the foot. But we'll discuss all that. Yeah, there's a yeah a lot of theories that could be had about that. Uh, Mike, don't feel too bad. The oh, Monday Night Football. My confession is I did not see overtime or the fourth quarter, which was a, a blessing, mm. honestly, as a Bills fan. But I was passed out sleepy on the couch. Next thing I knew, it was some infomercial on ABC. Went back and watched. Not great. But that, that's what I mean. And that's the, was leading great into our first topic here is, are you guys tired of the primetime Bills? Because <laughs> it used to be fun. And they were high flying when it first happened. And it was like, oh, man. They, and I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I – wanted primetime games i would miss them my whole childhood i was like man i just wish the bills could be on one sunday night football game every year i was looking like oh maybe they could flex this one later on and maybe they could do this always trying to figure it out it never happened and now it, it's it's at least been a trend leading from last year into this year that the games have just been like going i think even back to the game against the packers last year where the bills like it was a 10 point win and it felt good but there was a lot of struggles in that game at home too. So are you guys tired of the time time bills after a 14 to nine game against the giants that literally came down to the last snap at the one yard line and was way more dramatic than anybody would have anticipated or wanted out of that game. Mike, we'll start with you. Uh, in the words of the great philosopher, Christopher Wallace, more money, more problems. So <laughs> In this case, it's more success, more primetime games. Unless, of course, you're in a major market like the Giants and you get primetime games no matter how crappy you are. This is what we should have expected after consecutive AFC East championships, uh, double-digit win seasons. We keep, we keep you know, rem reminiscing about, you know, 1 p.m. Sunday games, you know, week after week after week. And, hey, now we're actually good. Now we're successful. Now we have expectations. Now we have Super Bowl aspirations. Well, guess what? Now America wants to actually watch you. Now we're going to get put on Thursday and Sunday and Mondays and 4 p.m. games. Those haven't even started yet. They're going to be coming up. Uh, the only 1 p.m. games left are our next opponent and then the next time we see our next opponent. So, I mean, you're going to have to get used to it if you want success, if you want expectations, if you want aspirations. Sick yeah. Bad. 
Uh, I agree, Partham. You know, my short answer to this is going to be no, because I've wa- I waited so long for us to be given these opportunities. Like you said, Jake, as a little boy, I was just I was asking Santa for Bill's primetime games damn near. <laughs> but now that we're here, you know, like what, like almost six primetime like night games on the season. It's awesome. It's great to be a Bills fan and see this realized success and be acknowledged around the league. I'll rephrase the question. Am I tired on Sunday nights at 1030? Absolutely. Would I have loved to have gone to bed at halftime of that game when the Bills were up, say, like 38 to 3? Yeah, I would have comfortably gone to bed, had a beautiful night's sleep, and been a chirpy, happy camper the next morning. But the reality is I just had to drag myself down to the 11s and the late of night before it turns to morning just to uh, squeak out a win against the New York football giants. And I'll do that every time for my team, but man, I hate it the next morning. (laughs) I agree with all those sentiments. Uh, I'm not, I will. I'm very happy that the bills are in prime time all the time. I'm very happy that there's going to be a lot of four 30 games coming up this year. Um, it's it's a privilege pressure is a privilege right and like you were saying like they've been this is the price of being good is being in these national spotlights where everybody wants to see you and i don't think it has i don't think it has anything to do with the bills play what time they're playing at i think that's merely a coincidence of the time that they are just of the time of season they're going through this lull in play right now i think that the play mike you mentioned it we'll kind of talk about switch gears into just the play on the field on sunday but the offensive, uh, the offensive lulls that we saw on Sunday night. Where, what would you, I guess, attribute it to more than anything else? There was, there's, I feel like there's a lot of different blame to go around and everything, but to me, it just feels like this is a team that it's not going to be perfect. It never has been perfect through any season. They've always had lulls with this offense, and especially with Josh Allen, and it feels like it's kind of the same thing that we've had in years past, both with Ken Dorsey and Brian Dayball. And I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Like, I don't know if that's still something that we should strive to fix, but there's a lot of offenses struggling in the NFL too, right now. The chiefs haven't scored over 30 points yet this year. Like they, I'm sure they would like to see Hmm. it on their offense and everything else. So uh, yeah. What did you attribute it to like Sunday night as you were watching and watching back after your uh, siesta? (laughs) Well, a couple of interesting stats to get out of the way first Uh, the Giants happened to be the only team in the Super Bowl era that had more passing yards than their opponent, more rushing yards than their opponent, more recovered more fumbles, intercepted more passes, and missed fewer field goals, and still lost. In NFL history, total NFL history, teams that do that are 134. So uh, we really lucked out in this game. We'll get to all those lucky points. The Bills actually snapped a franchise record streak of scoring points in every single half. Like maybe we, on a bad day, we get a field goal in the first half or the second half. But that streak has gone on for, I believe, 60 consecutive halves, if I'm not mistaken. It's uh, last time it didn't happen, uh, no points in a half, week 17 of 2019 versus the Jets. So, but the, But having said all that, the Bills' offense is still – Fifth, fifth in total offense, third in points per game, 28. Second in red zone efficiency and third down efficiency. They've reached the red zone 24 times. That's still the third most in the NFL. However, 
we all can sense, you know, what everybody's screaming out there. Games two through four, where we were blowing out teams, are probably inflating those stats a little bit. And we can see since Jacksonville, this offense is sputtering a little bit and not operating at full capacity. Uh, there were points left on the board by both teams. Uh, Tyler Bass missed a couple of field goals that would have, if he had been able to make them, would have put in the game out of reach in the, those last few minutes. It would have been a two-score game. Of course, they're 50-yard-plus field goals, but seeing uh, <clears throat> wide right field goals against the Giants kind of brings up PTSD or something to that effect yeah, for those cool. of us who lived through yeah, such let's things. Yeah, let's not get there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the, Gi- the Giants, for their end, they ran a time in both halves where they could have at least scored a field goal both times, and if they did that – then we wouldn't even be talking about the Bills squeaking by with a win. Uh, they had a long pass t- in the second quarter taken away because of in- ineligible men that shouldn't have been called. So their offense should have been able to equal or beat ours. But as far as the Bills' offensive problems, uh, first thing I want to p- attribute it to is this was practically a divisional game because Dable knows this team like the back of his hand. He's only a couple of seasons removed. And we were talking about this, uh, Jake, uh, last week where – how much that would play a factor in and how I usually think that if a coach goes to another team, that coach usually has the advantage because he knows the other coach mostly and the other personnel of that team. Whereas the bills don't aren't as familiar with the giants personnel, although there were more than a few ex bills on the Giants staff. Uh, so it was practically a, a division game as far as uh, how well these coaches know each other. Uh, Tyrod even played for a year under Sean McDermott, but that is, I don't think that's as much of a factor as a uh, Josh Allen developing under Brian Dable for those few. Well, years. hey, off topic, real quick though, Tyrod he might have been he might have been a Bill sleeper agent there at the end of that first half. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking uh, he still just had a, he had a little love. For I don't the know Bills. how grateful thought... Tyrod is for his time with the Bills, breaking <laughs> the streak and basically getting left to the side of the curb. Now, yeah. all right, so more more factors. I'm just saying, uh, I, he was selling a little bit there. I think he was I know. Like, oh, I know yeah, people. That was, that was suspicious. <laughs> I know people are tired of uh, uh, this being a factor last week, and maybe not so much this week. I haven't heard it brought up, but one or two people have mentioned jet lag post London. Now, a couple of stats that mm. I saw or heard. NFL teams that passed on a buy, and this has only been a recent development in the last few years. Any team that passed on a buy. On the game following the London game, they are two and six against the spread. And from what I understand, all those teams that passed on the bye, the next game, they've either been tied or trailing in the fourth quarter. So might indicate uh, some some jet lag coming. Some people are saying that jet lag is actually worse coming back from a, a London game than actually going to it depending on when you arrive in London. But with that, I'm just going to leave that to the side with those statistics and we'll let that marinate in everybody's mind and you can decide for yourself. It's funny. It's funny because I was, I was talking to my dad and my brother after the game and I said, I don't, I'm not going to, I literally said this. I said, I'm not going to blame it on it right now, but remind me in eight weeks that I said that if the bills rip off like a six game win streak or win six of seven, that I'm contributing it to the weird London weeks, these two games, mm. because you, we can't blame it on it right now, but we need to at least remember it. If this team just figures it out and returns to normal. And it's like, God, you guys were stupid for trying to leave for London on Friday. And then you <laughs> messed up two weeks of your season where they still won the game too. And I think that's the biggest, that was the crazy thing. And I stayed off of, of Twitter and everything else, mostly Monday. And I guess I'm glad I did because I guess it was a somber victory Monday. And I understand being upset with the team's struggles, but this is a 
game slick. We were talking about years past and big games coming through drought years as a kid. This is a game that every Sunday the the Bills would get in every other Sunday and find a way to lose. Like I watched the Bills get a touchdown scored on them. At least it feels like in that game. So there's got to be something to the fact that this team can basically, you know, they just did. They they were playing a game against themselves, Mikey. Like that was what you mentioned earlier. Like was this was this a game against the Giants or did it matter? I don't think. I think there could have just been eleven regular dudes out on the field and the Bills would have still been struggling because they just looked like it was a identity crisis happening on the field, at least offensively. That's what it looked like to me. The Bills always find a way to beat themselves, and like you just said, it looked like an identity crisis. I couldn't put blame on anyone more than the other on the offense. So in terms of offensive struggles, I don't really know, man. Um, Obviously it plays into it. Like you touched on Partham Dable, knowing this team, like the back of his hand. I mean, you had to know in a way, right. With Dable coming back to Highmark stadium with Tyrod starting at quarterback that we were in for something. We didn't know what, but we were in for something. And this game, honestly, as you were just talking there, Jake, even more so reminded me a lot of last year's Minnesota game where it was an atrocity the whole time, but we were somehow hanging around. We didn't deserve to be, but we were hanging around just to take the lead right towards the end of the game, only for the other team capitalizing on one of our mistakes to come down and find a way to win. That's how I felt when the Giants had that last play in the end zone, I thought this is last year's Vikings game all over. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to pull it out of nowhere against all odds, even though we're playing like shit and still find a way to, to lose. And thankfully I won't even bring up the, uh, the potential penalty at the end, but yeah, we found, <laughs> we found a way, we found a way to win without, Hey, here's what I'm going to say ourselves in the put completely. I will say this about the penalty potential penalty both of them is that i think both of those plays there's a little tug in going back and forth but cornerbacks jobs are very hard in the nfl and any which way i feel like calling those i'm, I'm always gonna be like man like i don't know because it's so like it's darren he's six seven what are you and, like you have right. to like be physical a little bit to a point and it's just those calls are so annoying in and today's it, nfl for sure especially those plays too from like the one yard line because it's it's simple right the the rules are simple when you're working with a big field like the defender has a certain amount of time to like yeah. get his hands up on him block him a little bit get physical and then he has to cover him and play the ball when you're at the one yard line where does that distinct come in of when yeah. you can touch him and when you can't when you have to go mm-hmm. up for the ball and when you can't put a hand on him that's what a lot of people don't take into consideration in those plays and it really irks me sometimes because yeah. there's going to be contact in red zone plays like that yeah it's just a matter of what you're willing to tolerate as an official mm-hmm. and still keep the game going at a good and fair pace speaking I, of tolerating as an official if there was an illegal hand to the face and a pass interference called, would there have been another a timeless down? I believe so. If it was yes. an offsetting penalty, and I believe they were do- looking to avoid another one. So yeah. Uh, as far that. as far as more factors, I want to touch on. It was a lot of execution problems, problems, and most of them in the first half. You had, I think, maybe a drop pass here and there. Gabe Davis fumbling when people are pointing out that he should have had the ball in the hand closest to the sideline, so mm-hmm. it was more of a pe- potential to. 
fumble out of bounds, then fumble right to the other team. Uh, there was an interception. Uh, most of most of it was in the first half. It's deception. It's really deceiving that the Bills didn't score in the third quarter because they only had the one really long possession that they got a touchdown on the very first play of the fourth quarter. So the whole getting shot for three quarters is a little bit uh, not really what happened in the second half. But uh, there's there's been a debate as far as uh, execution on the offense on uh, 11 personnel versus 12 personnel, which means uh, one running back and one tight end versus one running back and two tight ends. And the Bills have been emphasizing with uh, Kincaid and Knox, two tight end personnel this year. So there were and this started on the WGR morning show. And uh, I think uh, Aaron Quinn and Sneaky Joe from that show, Aaron Quinn from cover one, have pick, picked up on that. And they threw a few stats out there that I want to go over just to show what's going on here total overall in 11 personnel the bills run that the 30th rate in the nfl at 44 percent and they have in their epa is third overall 12 personnel they run that the second most in the nfl at 38 percent and their epa is 12th now on the surface it's like why don't they run 11 personnel more passing wise 11 personnel they have 67 percent completion percentage Four touchdowns, five interceptions, 77 passer rating. In 12 personnel, it's 76 completion percentage, five TDs to one interception, and 116.4 rating. So they're doing a lot better in their 12 personnel passing. Their, their EPA in 12 personnel is 0.26 compared to 0.15 in uh, 11 personnel. So why does 11 personnel look so be- much better overall? It's the running game, actually, because their yards per carry in 11 personnel is 5.12 compared to 3.44 in 12 personnel. EPA is 0.13 in 11 personnel rushing compared to negative 0.28 in 12 personnel. And this goes to a standard philosophy of it goes back to what the Rams used to do with Todd Gurley is they'd spread the field out with four receivers and then run the ball against a very less stacked box. But when you put a second tight end in there, then you're forcing them to cover him with a linebacker. But if your tight ends are very adept at pass catching, then they can't match up as well with those, uh, tight ends so it looks like the bills are much more advantageous passing out of 12 personnel with two tight ends and running out of 11 personnel with only one can i it's it's very counterintuitive can i offer a theory of why they're better at passing in 12 personnel than 11 because i think that i could walk right into this they don't have a wide receiver three that's good at football they don't trust <laughs> Trent Sherfield well. or Deontay Hardy. And I think that that's their biggest problem with 11 personnel is I like we came into the year being like they might need more weapons. And everybody's like, oh, well, let's see how much they use Kincaid. There's going to be a lot of 12 personnel. As you're saying, they're using it, but the passing efficiency out of 11 personnel, which is what they were have been dominant in in past years, is playing out of 11 personnel, um, especially throwing the ball, is has been neutered. And I think part of it's because their slot guy can't get open. And that mm-hmm. makes Gabe Davis's job hard. And I think my conspiracy hat of that first theory of why it looks so disjointed, if you notice... Josh Allen targeted Stefan Diggs 16 times in this game. He targeted everybody else 12 times. I think mm-hmm. this was quarterback and wide receiver going rogue in the first half. And, yeah, and, be, and Allen just throwing to Diggs to be like, there's nothing else on this offense. This is what you guys are. This is what you're leaving us with. And I truly think that there's some kind of push and pull happening with that. And I, I wouldn't blame them because I don't think their weapons are adequate enough. And we've known that since training camp like there these are valid questions about the wide receiver position and i think if you add a wide receiver at this point some kind i don't know where you get it from if there's an option though they should be looking into it because 
I don't, I think that's asking a lot of Diggs and Davis and especially Diggs who, and I think that's the kind of the point they were trying to make on, on Sunday night, whether Allen would ever, they're never going to admit that, but that's what it looked like from my, my couch on Sunday night. That's yeah. Sure. I was going to note the, uh, the stats on Diggs. 10 of Allen's 13 throw first throws went to Diggs, 16, 29 <laughs> overall, as you mentioned, he's been targeted. Diggs has been targeted on 53.3% of his routes. That's the highest percentage of anybody this season. Mm-hmm. And I believe Josh noted after the game, why probably asked why, uh, why is he throwing to Dick so much? He's the only one consistently getting open. And that goes to your theory, Jacob. So what's your perspective? Yeah, I see similar things. Um, the weapon definitely needed, like you said, Jake, <clears throat> where would we get it from? Who the hell knows? But Greg Thompson, Greg Thompson, sneakily throwing Deandre Hopkins name back on the time. I mean, dude. wait, 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 wait. What, what, is he throwing DeAndre Hopkins' name or somebody else's name, which we'll get to in a – He mentioned Hopkins. If he said if the Titans are selling, if Tannehill's not coming back, he's on a low contract, could be a, could be a deal to be made. Who knows? I, I'm interested in other names. Though. Any other name. I'm interested in any name because Sherfield – they clearly don't – they clearly think these guys are trash. They're, they're not been on the field, in pa- especially Sherfield in passing situations. Like the dude is not getting the snaps that you th- would imagine that they would. Yeah, I mean, like, where's Shakir been, too? Exactly. Actually, funny you mention that. Uh, Stat from uh, Scott Spratt of uh, FTN Fantasy. Yeah. Khalil Shakir's snap share by week. Week one, 10%. Week two, 15%. Then 24%, 28 32 and last week, 39%. It looks like they're using him more. I think maybe more in blocking situations. And I think certainly it's because, not getting the ball. I'll more. tell you what, he's not and it's getting the ball. It's, it's got to be because the other two don't, like, it's not worth putting those guys on the field. If, if Shakir can do everything, like, that's, I just don't, I haven't seen a trust level from them using the other two guys. And it has, Shakir is not an answer, though, I don't think. No, I don't I think mean, he's the answer. If you thought that he was a replaceable piece going into the season, then he's not going to be the answer in the middle of the season. I think you would have thought too, after week one, I mean, I, what do you have? Like one of our first touchdowns of the year, I believe looked, looked hopeful. He like disappeared after that. Yeah. Apparently not though, according to Partham's stat. I mean, I wouldn't have known that to be honest, but that's the thing is like, even with him getting more time, we're not seeing it, the impact really on the field. And Allen only is looking to digs. He, and Davis, Davis gets the opportunity to make a big play, like you're saying, Partham, and he he fumbles and he doesn't have the ball in the right hand in the fumble. And it's just he's had some drop issues throughout the season, too. It's I think that they need a weapon. Is there Mike? You said what was the other name that you were talking about that was not DeAndre Hopkins? Uh Devontae Adams from the Raiders. Oh, yes. The I don't Bills think they're giving him up. Listen, man. Th- I think I just don't. I would do everything to do it at this point. If you put that, Diggs and Adams together, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's, that's terrifying. Scary. It's almost unfair. Honestly. You want to go to that topic? Uh, I know that was a topic for a couple of uh, subjects later. Uh, Devontae Adams. Let's go to him. He's a uh, 12 overall in receiving yards. He's averaging 78.5 yards per game. Uh, I know. I think you saw it. Uh, Bet online has the Bills at the top odds to land Devontae in a trade if if it were to happen at four to wow. one. Uh, he's been making comments uh, as far as wanting to be a little more, bit more influence on the game. Uh, yeah, I have his quotes right here. Uh, Devontae Adams after this week says, you know, quote, I'm a human being and I have extremely high standards for myself in this offense. I'm sure everybody's thinking they won the game. Why is there an issue? Uh, 
his benchmark, he says, is not wins and losses. It's greatness. And uh, James Jones, uh, I think he's a former teammate. He's on FS1. He says, Devontae does not have a selfish bone in his body. So that speaks to his character a little bit. Uh, people are saying his contract is tradable, at least for this year. The problem is $17.5 million guaranteed next season. So we're going to have to find a workaround for that. That's I'm sure Greg Thompson can crush the numbers. Yeah, That's a right. next season problem. When, when this team needs a wide receiver right now. Yeah. I would, I would, I think I'm at the point where I've, I've been very, I've been very skeptical through the years and I'm a guy that would generally love to just grab all the weapons you could possibly have and put a fun offense together and figure it out. But I've been like, let's, let's build it the right way. Let's keep the, you know, keep on track, everything else through a lot of these rumors. I was okay with Odell if it was going to be the right deal. I was okay with Hopkins if it wasn't going to be too expensive, but Deontay Adams is like, this isn't two guys that you're worried about really being like coming off of being older or coming off of bat, like tough seasons. Like I know that he didn't have as good of a season last year with the Raiders, but this is a guy who two years ago was what unquestionably the best wide receiver in football. And if he's a wide receiver two behind Stefan Diggs or vice versa, whichever, however it ends up, that's the kind of thing I think that this team should look into weapon. And I don't think they need to do something at that level, but like, I do think that that would help a lot of their, their passing efficiency and the thing is i guess they're not it's not efficiency issues but mike would you argue that do you want josh allen to be a 75 percent completion percentage quarterback or is that kind of taking away some of what allen is great at by having more risk in his game and having him run the ball and take like i don't think i need josh allen to be a check down like efficiency master i think i need him to be a risk taker that is it more in like the high 60s well let's remember checkdown masters which we've often derived in the past you know trent edwards mr captain checkdown himself the only reason that was bad is because he never put the fear of god into the secondary he never put yes you know the safeties on their backpedaling feet uh and and josh allen has done that he you know to put to use a wrestling analogy, Stone Cold Steve Austin does not have to go out and stun Vince McMahon every single show way back in the day, kids, if you understand the reference. He just needed to do it every once in a while. And the fact that he did it before and he could do it again made everybody, you know, cheer every time he heard his music. So Josh Allen does not have to hit home runs every game in order to still be Josh Allen. If he can get the defense, you know, to respect that enough, then his checkdowns will be a lot more effective than your average system quarterback. Uh and I think he's been he's been de-emphasized as far as his running game goes. I don't think they're fearing that as much because he hasn't been taking off and running. There hasn't been designed runs. I think he's more effective. I don't have the numbers. I think he's more effective running on passing situations because the defense gets back far enough that creates a lot of 10, 15 yard spaces for him to run. If he designed, if there's designed runs, then he's taking off running right away within one or two seconds of the snap. And they're going to key on him a lot more, but he hasn't been running that much as far as uh, his run rate. And I think, I think we got to emphasize that more. Some people have been speculating that they're playing a little bit of 3d chess by holding that back. I, I don't give any coach credit, maybe even Belichick. And we'll talk about their problems later on. <laughs> I don't give any coach credit for playing 3D chess because I don't think they're that smart. I don't think they're that uh, gamesmanship. Yeah. As far as you know, holding things back and then putting them on tape like in the last third of the season or in the playoffs. I wish they would because it's a good idea to not have Josh show his legs early on and then start. Oh wait a minute, this guy can run. We forgot that because he was trying to be such a pa- efficient passer and a checkdown yeah. guy. So. If they're if 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 they hold it if they were help holding him back or if he, they do decide to go to that as far as you know putting an extra uh, wrinkle in the offense then I think that would be 
good. Otherwise, uh, yeah. I don't know is, if they're is, like is holding it, it back. Is it better to be Superman or is it better to be a system quarterback or is it just better to, you know, let Josh decide for himself when which is good when? That's what I wonder is like, I don't know if they're doing it play call wise or like actually like actively waiting to unleash him or something like that. Or if they've been in his ear, like, hey, you need to protect yourself. And he's, you know, doing it with like that in the back of his head. And I don't know if I want him actively thinking about that. I don't know if that's the best version of him in yeah. some of these times when you need him to like. Well, sliding, when, crazy he, sliding when he runs is a good thing. It's just yes, maybe definitely. run a little bit more often. Yeah. And the, the rush rate is concerning. Like that I would like that's part of what makes him dynamic. And I love that I love that the completion percentage, like in that he's you know proved doubters wrong that he could even get up there. That was obviously when knocking his career, like this guy's never gonna be able to do that. And so he's doing that, but there's gotta be there's gotta be the middle ground with the run game, I think, for him to be most effective. What were you gonna say, Slick? No, I was just uh echoing what you said, um, yeah. the best the best kind of Josh is wild card Josh, where you don't know if a piss missile is coming or you don't know if you're <laughs> about to get hit by the train. Step off the tracks. That's facts. All right, let's get into it for uh, our last little bit here. This Sunday, it's New England week. Like New England week feels a little different than it has in a, in a lot of years past. <laughs> Just hmm. a little bit. Feels like a little good. <laughs> Have you seen their injury report? It's like a CVS receipt. Yeah. There are fans in WEI calling for Bill Belichick to be fired this season already. Uh, Mac Jones is being pulled from games. He's got he's 30th in QBR and 30th at passer rating. So this has all the hallmarks of just a world-class beatdown. Except yeah. we were saying that last week about yeah. this other team called the Giants that also was at the bottom like 31st, 32nd in the league and everything and passing and offense and all that. And look what happened. It was a any given Sunday type of game. But of course, Brian Dayball, like we said, knows this team. And Tyrod yeah. had his motivation. And there were a couple of players that might have been, you know, talking in everybody's ear about, hey, this guy likes to do that and so forth. Hey, they started now, a fight before the game even started, too. Yes. Like that game, it was it was aggressive. They so, were they were on. I, I was saying last week that this was practically a division game. The Giants was, but this is an actual division game. Then again, the Patriots, we've played them before. We know what to expect from them, and we know what to, to expect from Bill Belichick. Maybe he knows how to game plan against us. He just doesn't have the horses, either by uh, by drafting or by injury. Uh, the New England, they're 27th in offense. They're 31st in points per game, and they're 25th in points allowed per game. They're actually 10th in overall defense, something to look out for. That's, if anything, I think that's going to trouble us. I mean – not trouble us, I should say, but I, I'm interested to see how our offense bounces back because I think the key for us in this game, especially with Mac Jones looking like he's going to play, Mac has been uh, deer in the headlights in the pocket this year thus far. And yes. our highlight, our only consistent thing about our team so far this year has been our defensive line getting yeah. pressure to the quarterback and getting it quickly. So I think Mac is going to have a hell of a day on his hands and it's not a matter of what our defense can do. I think they're going to really give the Patriots trouble and we're going to see a lot of three and outs. I, I just, I'm interested to see how our offense bounce back and I think we can do it. Um, I, I, I don't have a lot of faith in bill game planning for us. He might think he could, he knows how to game plan for us. I think he forgot three years ago to be quite honest. <laughs> um, hopefully it, this is like that perfect game that we posted a highlight of today. Um, 
in, in honor of New England week. But I think what's really going to show here, which has shown every week, is our defensive line, guys like Ed Oliver, Rousseau, Epinesa even, getting through to the quarterback and Vaughn playing an increased snap count every week. I think Mac Jones is going to have his hands full, and that offensive line is going to have a lot of blame put on their hands after this game, hopefully. Bills are tied for first in sacks with 24 and first overall in sacks per pass attempt. So I, I hope it's going to be the bloodbath that we expected with uh, Daniel Jones, who uh, that's a, that's another little factor. It's the fact that uh, Daniel Jones was ruled out very late in the week and we had little or no time to prepare for Tyrod, who's a little bit more mobile and can get the ball outside. Yeah, Daniel exactly. Jones would have been a tackling dummy had he been in there. And I hope Mac Jones is going to be much the same way. A much more expensive tackling dummy, yeah. dare I say. That's, yeah, that's facts. I, I I can't imagine Mac is going to have a good day. It might be Malik Cunningham season. I Mac, think, that's I the only thing I'm worried so, about. Man. We might see Malik like a quarter, a quarter in. Yeah. But I don't have the faith in Malik as a mobile quarterback that I do with Tyrod. Any relation to Randall Cunningham, do we know? I don't think so. I don't think so. Hmm. No, that would be cool. I'm kind of worrying. I'm, I, think the defensive, <laughs> I think the defensive line is – I think it's very similar – I think similar to last week. I think they're going to dominate. They've been great all year. I think that's going to happen, especially if you've seen any advanced stats on this Patriots offensive line, even when they were healthy, have been terrible all year long. Like this is a horrible matchup for them. Ed, the Ed Oliver injury is the thing to keep an eye on, I guess, there, see if he goes or not. But I think that the Bills, I think it, I don't think the offense fully figures it out. I've got 27. 27 to 10 bills win on Saturday or Sunday. What do you think slick? I'm going to go with, I I like 10. That's a good number. I want to go three or actually, you know what? Fuck the touchdown. I'm going to go. I'm going to go 31 to six. Okay. I think we figure it out, but there's still flaws that need to be addressed. And the defense is lights out. Patriots can't get a thing going except for a couple 50-yard boots. The line right now is negative eight and a half for the Bills. Yep. Um, I think we that's said, too low. Hmm. I know we said that last week, but hear me out. That that sh- that still should be against the Patriots team like 12 in my opinion. Yeah, I think I so. I think they're accounting for the Bills like really sucking lately. In terms we, of offense, we've we went over a lot of the points as to why this Giants game was so bizarre and why it was such a struggle. Um, we said before the Giants game that the next two weeks weren't going to tell us a lot about the Bills because we expected the the Bills to run over both of these teams, both of these bottom feeders. And now after the Giants struggle, I just don't know. Even if we get out of the cobwebs of London finally, if that's ever a factor. I don't know that I trust. I'm going to trust this team until I see them blow out another hapless, you know, uh, just uh, doormat as it is. Bad team. Yeah. I am going to say that they won't cover the eight and a half. Even I'm saying I'm Oof. saying it's going to be a defensive struggle again. I'm saying we'll get enough touchdowns. We'll get enough scores to just beat them. Oh and, no! I'm just going with the trend. I'm going with what I'm seeing. And All right, if, they, if, they, if they blow them out 35 to 10, then okay, I'm all they, uh, over the Super Bowl train again. But uh, I'm saying it's going to be another one of those games where our expectations coming in are not going to match what's on the field because mm-hmm. it's football and it's crazy. Remember so, a couple years what, what ago? What are they, numbers real quick? You want, you want to score? Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
1713. I don't know. Okay. Oh. Like, remember, remember a couple years ago, That's I think gross. it was the COVID year, they played the Jets and they kicked six field goals. It was like 18 to 15. <laughs> that was Tyler Glass's uh, coming out party. Uh, that could be that. Maybe it's the Bass Revenge game. Just a bunch of field oh. goals Sunday. 20, 21 13 win, seven hey, field he, goals from Tyler. Hey, Bass. He did miss two last week. So that's what I mean. Yeah. He needs a, he needs a comeback. They were long ones, but yeah. Still, yeah. <laughs> It was, but that was that's that's an interesting thing where maybe the coach just knows more than we do because when he didn't when they punted the first time I was like that's weird like why wouldn't you let Bass like give a give a shot for a fifty five yarder like that makes sense and then yeah. they take I think it's a fifty three the first time he goes up and he pushes it right it's like all right maybe Sean watched him all week was like or this or watched him before and was like I don't know I don't know if he could hit these tonight and then he could yeah so it was it was a weird it was just a weird night in general but Very weird. Mike. I'm, I'll remember this if you if they're just kicking field goals if it's twelve to nine in the fourth quarter. <laughs> oh no! Please. I'm tired of having a bad feeling about these games and then but that not going with my gut. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna trust just my go Star Wars. It. I have a bad feeling about this uh, gut feeling. Fair enough. Go with it. I think it's just my twenty-seven is purely a bad day for Mac Jones more than a good day for the Bills' offense. Mac, that hey. interception that he threw last Sunday was one of the worst I've seen in. I, I've seen some bad year. interceptions. That's that a was pretty really, bad one. That was really bad. <laughs> it was like a jump pass, too. He was like, ooh, back over the middle, jumping midair. Yeah, it was just <laughs> terrible. Someone got to look into that guy for maybe some, like, being paid off. I don't know. Or I think he just wants to get traded. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, that's yeah, who I mean. There you I go. Out hey, of here. I, hey, Mac, if you're watching, I don't blame you, brother. Do what you got to yeah. do. Good luck, Malik. All right. We've got the Bills winning, at least. So that's what we'll go off yeah. of. We paid the Bills. Have a good one, folks. Go Sabres. Sabres. 5-2 win tonight. Yeah.